Hi, you're listening to Flying Sober. This is a podcast about cultivating relationships and sobriety and stepping into self-discovery through love, understanding, and exploration. The opportunity to learn about yourself through others starts now. Hello, 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 my lovely listeners, and guess what we get to talk about today? Hi, this is Rachel. And this is your co-host, Jonathan. I love this because we are finally getting to the heart of it, which is dating and sobriety. Woo! That's a scary one for a lot of us. Because what do they say to us when we enter recovery and we begin in the first step? I remember when my sponsor told me this, uh, the golden non-dating one-year rule. What do you think of that, Jonathan? <laughs> oh my God, help us. Well, I'm, for number one, it's not written anywhere. It's a suggestion. And um, it, 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 I can only share my experience on it. Um, I remember my first year in recovery. I was freshly sober. I'm, I'm working my, my, my program and doing what I need to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, after five months, I feel like a spring chicken. Like I've got all this energy. And of course, my energy was like below my belt, right? Let's just get honest. Like I was just ready, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I start dating. And what what ended up happening was like I wasn't really thinking too much with my heart or my mind. I was mainly thinking with what was below my belt. Right. And I ended up getting myself in like the worst situations. Um, I dated the craziest women like on God's green earth. I really did. No, because you were so normal. <laughs> well, and what's interesting is like. You know, they say in dating, like, you know, the, the intention of dating is trying to find a partner that's not going to help you live your life, but you can enjoy your life living with. Right. And how am I capable of doing that if I haven't even taken the time to get to know myself? And I had no idea what, you know, self-discovery was at five months. I had no idea, you know, my motives in in, in and what I really wanted out of a partner. So I was just going with anything that was showing me attention, which led to the most unreal mistakes that I've ever made. Well, this is true for me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's true for a lot of people that come into recovery is that we weren't exactly the best at choosing the right partners in life. I mean, come on. It's not like winners hang out in bars. We were looking for love in all the wrong places, Right. It's funny, we all want to desperately be desired and loved, but sitting at a bar and waiting for my Prince Charming to show up wasn't going to happen. They're either lonely, desperate, or here's a good one for you, plain alcoholics. Yeah, so those are the kind of guys I picked, and it didn't matter if they had money or not, they were all carved out of the same tree. And of course, they were always exciting and full of drama uh, we wouldn't have it any other way but all kidding aside I was always hanging on by a threat because I was codependent on these relationships and it was utterly exhausting so you have to wonder what price are you willing to pay for your peace of mind and um, when they told me about that one year dating hiatus I was like, sign me up. It was a relief. You know what? It's seriously exhausting dating the wrong people. It is exhausting. So you mentioned something really, really powerful. You said codependency, right? And I got to share my experience of how 
some of the things I experienced really showed me of how codependent I really was on people. Um, one of the things that I remember was like, if I, if I texted a girl and got the courage to actually text her or call her and she didn't text me or call me right back. That was like the end of the world. That was like a tailspin. Like I started feeling weak, (laughs) depressed, thinking that I wasn't worth anything. And what's interesting enough is if you look up the definition of codependency, it says excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or an addiction. Right. So, so forget even being an alcoholic. That might be like 50% of the population. It can be. It yeah. can be. And what tends to happen Maybe is more. when you remove one addiction, you're going to switch into another. Yeah. So Or cross addiction. Cross addiction. Yeah. Right? Totally. My need for man's attention or approval was just another obsession. And you know, my entire mood depended on it. So if things didn't go well and I didn't hear from them, I would be down. And if things were great, I would be up. And there were a lot of unrealistic expectations. Stupid things like, why didn't they text me? Why didn't they call me? And then when that text message came in, though. Oh, God, it was like a high. Yeah, exactly. That surge of energy comes in, and then you just happen to have enough strength to do what you're supposed to do. That's just so pathetic. Well, but now we can look back and we can say to ourselves, man, that was pathetic of us. But imagine, like, being still stuck in the throes of that. You know, and codependency... It's, it's hard, right? Because how do you switch from being codependent on another human being to something else? And what I was taught is what's the opposite of codependency? God dependency. And you know what? That could mean something different to everyone. I realized that the more I cultivate my relationship with my higher power and with myself, the single most important relationship, I feel truly fulfilled and less defined by another person. The other day, I was walking on the beach with a friend, and she said to me, I never feel like I'm loved enough. And that's heartbreaking. But I asked her, where are you seeking it from? Because if it's not from yourself or your higher power, you will never find it. I remember when I got this concept, I never felt alone again. So from the second I wake up, I'm not looking for anyone else to make me happy. Absolutely. And when you shift that codependency to God dependency, you're not worrying about your actions of how the other person is going to feel. You're not worried if you're not doing enough for that person. It starts transferring over to that universal power that's going to provide everything that you need so you have nothing to be afraid of. And And that's hard to hear at first, right? Because it's a concept that we're not used to adopting into our daily living, but once you start making that practice, and I love the analogy you use, like you're talking to your friend and she's like, I don't feel enough love. And it's like, are you seeking it from something human? Or are you seeking it from your higher power? There you go. Because I'll tell you, the days that I'm connected to God and I'm turning my attention to helping other people, I don't give a crap what my girlfriend does to me that day. That's great. It, it's amazing. And But I have to go through the bad days and the good days yeah. to really see where that balance needs to come in. When I, when I surrendered to my alcoholism, and I heard this from other people, is my spirit broke wide open. And from that point on, I knew 
there was something much greater next to a guy. Yes. <laughs> there was, I was going to get my love from somewhere else. And from that moment on, everything changed for me. All I had to do was let God in. Now dating and men and everything outside, it's secondary. It's secondary to, to what I receive every day the second I plug in. Now, it's interesting enough, like they say you have to learn how to love yourself. Yes. Until yeah. you can actually yeah. learn, to learn to love another person, right? You have to learn how to love yourself before you can love another Jonathan, person. A lot of people think they do love themselves. This is what's so crazy. And well, me and I, they're craving, they're craving the attention and, and the love. And it's, see, how do you know you love yourself? Well, first of all, let's go down to one of our biggest problems, right? And it's actually listed um, in our literature. You know, one of our biggest problems is we are selfish and self-centered to the core. Of course, we think we love ourselves because we're all that we think about, right? Like that whole thing like, oh, I love myself, right? Because all I do is think about myself. So how do you, how do you show the difference? And for me, I I lived that way for a long time, but every single passion or everything that I used to enjoy doing for myself, I would put it on the back burner and actually put more of my attention into that particular person that was in my life. And I was completely forgetting about the things that made me me. So then when that person would eventually disappear, right? And I'm stuck feeling lonely and empty and, and I'm not being loved enough. I realized what loving myself was. I have to put not only God, but the things that make me happy first. As the saying goes, it's simple. If you're not happy with yourself, you can't expect to be happy with someone else. And what does happiness look like? Well, for me, it's doing things that I'm passionate about, like traveling and doing things that bring me joy. A good example is this podcast. But most importantly, using my God-given talents to their full potential. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not living my purpose. You're not living your purpose. And so how do we choose between the difference, right, of, of just finding the one or choosing out of desperation? How about knowing your self-worth and what's right for you? I've got a great story about this. Um, this happened literally, this happened about nine months ago. I was dating a woman that was uh, 43, and I'm 33. Do the math. 10 years older than me. She's got two children, right? So all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, Jonathan, what the hell are you doing dating a woman that already has two kids? Don't you want to have your own you kids? You already had the red flags. And the next day, we go on the date, and all of a sudden, she's out of nowhere, she says, you know, our age difference kind of, you know, messes with my thinking. And I said, well, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Because I've been concerned about that too. And I think we have to reevaluate and really see, yeah, we're attracted to one another, but are we both capable of providing each other the needs that we need to be able to make available? And she had the sad look on her face. She said, you know what? You're completely right. I got to tell you, so many people don't have that honest conversation. You would have wasted your time. You would have wasted her time. Not to mention the kids get caught up in the middle and a whole bunch of heartbreaks. The point is so many people ignore the obvious and they live in their little fantasy world thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to all work out. Uh, there, you know, there are no obstacles to our relationship here. And how do I know that? Because I was involved with a guy with three kids and this is exactly where it got me. Nowhere. 
And the only person you're screwing over is yourself because now that potential someone is not going to come into your life. Exactly. And I'm never going to get the things that I really truly want if I consistently sell myself short. Not saying that the other person's not a good person. It's just I know in my heart that they're not intended for me. Exactly, because it only takes one decision to head into the wrong direction and then you're off your path and onto a long detour. Is it really worth it? Exactly. And ended up happening was I, I let that woman go as hard as it was because she was very attractive. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, two weeks later, I go to the local restaurant that, I'm, that I love going to, and I'm sitting down with a sponsee. We're going over the 10th step, right? Like, and the 10th step, one of the greatest principles is before you do something, check your motives. And I'm talking about this particular experience, and all of a sudden, this girl out of nowhere sits down looking for some extra chairs for her and her sister and her boyfriend. And all of a sudden, we, we, we made eye contact and something happened. Like, I, I can't explain it, but we looked at each other in the eye and, and it was just instant attraction. And later on, what ends up happening is we get to know one another and she ends up knowing all of these people that I grew up with. Her father built my uncle's house. So... If you would have never closed that one door, that... The next door wouldn't have opened. That next door wouldn't have opened. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been at if that particular... people get that, they're like, well, you know what? I'm just going to end that relationship when the next person comes along. Well, guess what? The person, the next person not going to come along because you didn't close that one door yet. Exactly. And the interesting thing is we all are Earth like... the people! But, but here's the interesting thing. Like, we all, like... We talk about you need to get into action and put yourself out there, right? Do a, do a recollection of how I met that person. I was helping somebody else. I wasn't on a dating app. I wasn't updating my profile pictures naturally, naturally right? Organically. And exactly. So in that particular department of my life, I have to trust that higher power that I trust with every other aspect of my life. I have to trust that he's taking care of that. Yes. Yeah. So let's recap to why you should take that dating hiatus, if you will. Foremost, got to get rid of that codependency, learning how to love yourself, not choosing from a place of desperation and having cultivating better judgment. Those are the, I believe, the four keys to perhaps dating again. Thank God, you know, it could be turned, the ship can be turned around. And, and you know, and, and this can seem overwhelming to some of our listeners that aren't at that point yet. And my suggestion to you is start dating yourself and your higher power. Go on dates with yourself and your higher power and start learning how to create a good relationship with you. Like when you make a commitment to yourself, stick to it. Yeah. Or just know that you're, that the, the love of your higher power is enough, you know, and somebody coming along is like the icing on the cake. And you know, that's, thank God that's where I'm at because I felt like I was a victim of these bad relationships. And I thought that was the only thing that would fill me. And it didn't. It actually took away from from my self-worth. It took away from my peace of mind, which means the world to me now. And it takes away from your character building because you start doing certain actions and behaviors that you would have never done before. Ain't that the truth? And finally coming to a place 
of self-respect and choosing better for yourself. So guys, the message to take from here today is don't compromise who you are for the sake of someone else, especially in recovery. So that said, stay strong, stay proud, and we can't wait to see you in the next episode when we talk about dating and sobriety part two, which is every Friday at 7 a.m. For any comments, go to flying-sober.com.